0: Chris Salerno is a highly successful multifamily investor in the Carolinas, named one of Charlotte's 30 under 30. He's going to tell you why it's important to go to real estate meetups alone and how finding the right mentor will drastically change your success and future. Chris believes investing in real estate is the best building block for financial freedom, and this episode is going to help you do the same. Let's just get right down to business. Joe Show. This, this is the Joe Roberts Show. Welcome, Chris. Thank you for coming on today.
1: Joe, thank you so much for having me. Super excited to add value to all your listeners and viewers.
0: Can you, uh, you know, for all the viewers, can you give us background about yourself?
1: Yeah. Um, so I started out um, in the residential industry, um, selling uh, residential real estate way before that. I've always had a passion uh, and an entrepreneur mindset. Um, I started work when I was 12 years old. Uh, I remember my parents driving me up to a local restaurant and I would uh, do the dishes and they would pay me every every night cash. Um, and uh, and I did that when I was 12, all the way up to about 13, 14. I just had jobs ever since then. Um, and when I was around 18, I had a entrepreneurial mindset of creating businesses. I'd create, uh, or the cafeteria in our school was just terrible food. So I'd make food and then I would sell it at a markup um, and make a profit off of it. So I've always done something uh, and created a little business and so, um, out out right outside of college, I got into uh, multi or not multifamily residential real estate, selling residential real estate, and very quickly gained a success uh, success in that industry. Which I merged my my small team that I had with the n- large number one team in the Carolinas, and with me being in there and so mindset driven and um, hungry to grow a huge company, I really fell into their operational role. I would go into the CEO's desk and I'd say, well, what are the P&Ls, uh, and for some people who may not know what that means, uh, profit and loss statements. Yeah. Um, I'm like, well, what are the p ls You know, what's what are we profiting? You know, what are we spending? And um, uh, I got into it, and he he really didn't open the books, but he opened the books because he saw I was so hungry and driven to do it. And I I saw some things on like, and I asked him, well, why are we spending money here? Or, you know, why are we doing this? Or why isn't this agent doing this? Or can we have the agents go into detail on how they found the leads? Now that would tell us if that if we know where the leads are coming from, where we know where we can spend more money, or where we know we can cut back on our on our spending if if we're not getting enough leads. Um, and so I I just had a passion for it. Didn't get paid extra or anything like that. I just had a passion for it. Uh, I have a passion for studying large businesses on why they're successful, why they failed, and I enjoy it. Uh, so after that. I started leading um, the whole team. I started training the sales team to sell better, Um, and from that, I felt like I hit a ceiling. I felt like uh, there was nowhere else for me to go. I felt that when you play the game Monopoly, uh, you don't broker real estate. So I said, well, what am I doing? So I then started studying multifamily. I listened to shows like yours. I uh, read books. I went on YouTube, which is is free. Yeah. Um, and I started learning all about multifamily, and I went to a local meetup. And um, so I, I'm a suit guy, so I walk into this meetup with mm. a, a three-piece suit on, and I look around, and I see everybody in shorts and a t-shirt. And I'm like, I'm here for the multifamily networking event, and I'm thinking I'm walking into like a Blackstone board meeting. Uh, <laughs> um, and uh, they're like, uh, you're here? And I'm like, no, 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 like I'm here for the multifamily event. They're like, no, this is it. And I'm like, all right. And I always recommend if you're going to a conference or if you're going to a meetup, go alone. Don't take anyone. And the reason why is because 99% chance if you take someone, you're going to just end up talking to that person you took because you know them. But if you go alone, you're going to be willing to talk to someone else. You're not going to sit, stand there awkwardly because you look awkward. So you're, you're going to have to go out and talk to people. So that's what I did. I had a handful of business cards, and I said, "I'm going to talk to everybody. I hand them all out, let them know, you know, I'm a real estate agent, but I'm going to be in the multifamily industry." And at the very end, um, someone was speaking. Or the host was, and I went up and I shook his hand. I said, "Thank you for, you know, hosting this mass, this great event." Um, from my experience of coaching, you have to have a coach and a mentor. And I was already seeking a coach and a mentor because I knew to gain the level of success that I want to take the company to is that I need a coach and a mentor to help guide me down that path. Not walk me and not, not really do everything for me, but just help guide me so I don't make mistakes where I can grow a lot quicker. So um, that's where, that's where it uh, ended up. I ended up uh, hiring a, a really great coach. His name's Joe Fairless, well known in the industry. Yeah. Um, and I started taking my multifamily business to the next level. So within seven months we were able to have ownership of a little over 40 million and 364 units. Uh, we're very excited about that. And uh, as we were chatting before this, uh, we're in the process of creating a very large fund. so we're excited about that.
0: Cool. So growing up, I mean, was it, the were were people in your family that motivate you to do more or what, what, what do you think the motivation came
1: from? I love that question. And when it comes to it, uh, not, so you have a, you have a good why and you have a bad why. And I think that, uh, with the family being involved, that helps me push me to the next level. My mother was extremely hardworking. I mean, I remember when I was younger, she, she would go through law school. She'd stay up 24 hour shifts, go to work the whole day. Um, Father, hardworking. Siblings, they're not as hard working as I am. Uh, They make fun of me sometimes because I'm in meetings back to back. And I have three to four podcast interviews today. And they may make fun and say, oh, you can't do it because you're in a meeting. And that's right. But um, they don't see the work ethic. So I think at a very young age, I was just fascinated. And I knew that one, money bought everything, um, and money does buy a different type of life, lifestyle. And also, the more money you have, the more people you can help. And I knew that I needed to have a, a large amount of money so I can help a lot of people and do the goals I want to or accomplish the goals I want to set by giving back. Uh, and you can do that by having more money because more money, you can help more people. So that really drove me. Um, there was a really wealthy neighborhood um, down the street of I'd say about a mile from the house I lived at in Florida, and I used to ride my bike and uh, I used to sneak under the fence and just ride my bike through the neighborhood and said to myself, one day I will be in one of these houses uh, and uh, and I was so fascinated about real estate and because it's always different. It's not the same thing over and over. We always you know no matter how experienced you are in the industry, you will, come up with something uh, that's a roadblock or an obstacle will come to you. That's going to be new because real estate's always evolving and you're always going to run into something that's new. And that's one reason why I love it and have a passion for it. Uh, so I say that, that the lifestyle of, you know, growing up uh, middle class, not, uh, not, not, Wealthy at all, um, and just having that hard work ethic, knowing that the harder you work and the harder you outperform, the better you're going to be in life. And uh, I'm willing to do whatever it takes, and all my team members who are a part of the company. They, they call me crazy. They're like, you need to get some sleep. Like, don't stay up all night. Like, you know, get some sleep and rest. Um, but, uh, I just, I'm so driven to grow a large company to help a lot of people, um, that I don't think about sleeping and I don't think about eating during the day sometimes.
0: I know for the uh, viewers that you're located over in Charlotte now, right? Yes, Charlotte, in, North Carolina. I think you mentioned growing up in Florida. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, I, uh, grew up in Fort Lauderdale and Orlando. Uh, so those are uh, the two cities grew up in. Um, love it to death. Um, and you know, there will be a high possibility. There may be some relocation down the road uh, with what we have going on in the future. Uh, but uh, but yeah, we love Charlotte. Been here a little over 13 years, and it's uh, definitely treated us very
0: well. And what do you think about the uh, Charlotte, you know, Charlotte market in general right now?
1: Ooh, Charlotte market, <laughs> I, I love it. Charlotte market in general is on fire. Um, it's it's a great market to be in if you can get in. Um, right now, you know, unfortunately, we had to back out of a, a deal which we had an LOI uh, verbally accepted because the debt changed every yeah. single day you know in April and um, it changed right after we had the seller call and got updated financials and it ruined the whole business plan which all the numbers went down the drain so we had to walk away unfortunately um, but Charlotte's a phenomenal market Raleigh's a phenomenal market anything in the Carolinas right now uh, with your large major cities like Greenville South Carolina Charleston Raleigh and Charlotte those are going to be very hot markets for the future as there's a lot of job growth happening uh, and if you have a lot of jobs growth, that brings a lot of the population growth as well. So we're very pleased being in this market and very pleased on what's on the horizon for us.
0: So back at the brokerage, did you guys cover North Carolina and South Carolina or what was the territory?
1: Yeah. So uh, when when you live in South Carolina and and you're right there on the border, you just say Charlotte. So Fort Mill, Rock Hill, South Carolina, um, where my, uh, where I used to live in Fort Mill, I could, I could run out and there's some neighborhoods that I've, I've sold houses on where literally the middle of the house is split between North and South Carolina. Um, so when when it comes to it, it's right there on the border. So we just say the Charlotte's MSA. So to answer your question, yes, I sold uh, all the upstate of South Carolina. So Fort Mill, Rock Hill, uh, Lancaster, Indian land, and then all of Charlotte, Northern Charlotte, Gastonia, the whole MSA Charlotte.
0: Got it. And so what, the, what are the roles you know, just brokers in general, residential and commercial. I mean, how do you see their role play out over the next 10 years? Mm -hmm. And how do you see that transition from what they're doing today to what they're going to be doing in the future?
1: That's a great question. I um, when I sold residential real estate, you know, that's when Open Door was coming out, Purple Tree was coming out. We uh, at that time we were sitting in meetings with Zillow, which Zillow uh, for their iBuy program yeah. to try to get that contract. Um, so that's when all those large companies were rolling out, and you know, a lot of people were saying, well, they're going to take away the the agent business. The agents are going to be taken away. I think that um, agents always get a, uh, you know, they always get. uh they there's always that discussion with agents on you're paying you you're paid way too much for what you yeah. do uh even if it's residential you sell a house in 24 hours or uh commercial you you know you sell a great property and you earn a huge commission um i think that will play into a factor uh with more technology rolling out a lot of people are enjoying in my opinion this this open door where you can go ahead and uh, let yourself in. Take a look at the oh, house, yeah. and then let open door know if you want to buy it or not. Um, and then even with the uh, you know the uh open door where you're selling your house, uh, you just take pictures, upload it, and then they send people out to inspect, and they say yes or no. You know, I think uh agents' commission will get cut possibly, but um, but I think they will always have a job, and the reason why is because. Uh, It's so difficult for a seller and a buyer to be in the same room and negotiate. You know, you're always going to need that middleman, or you know, not necessarily a real estate agent, but basically a therapist saying, "Look, seller, <laughs> your property's not worth what it what you actually think it's worth." Yeah, and the buyers showing that, and multiple buyers have shown that, so you, we need to come down a little bit. Um, so I think the agent's uh, role will always be there. I think the top agents will make a mark, uh, and it, it may get a lot harder for just newbie agents to hop in and try to gain success very quickly. I think it's going to take some time.
0: It's kind of, I guess, as you mentioned, that what comes to mind is we're seeing, uh, you know, as a lot of the auction sites over the last 10 years have come to the market. Oh, um, yeah. It seems like the cash buyers th- that don't need their hands held as much are using the platforms where they're direct to a seller and they just put the price on and then transact. But as you're mentioning, the people that are probably more the retail buyers that uh, are making maybe a longer term emotional decision maybe need that coaching and handholding, whether or buyer or seller right oh, yeah. from that from that broker and the broker will probably play a bigger or a similar role for those people that are retail buyers and maybe oh. the more the cash buyers are going to be done through uh, online exchange
1: no you are 100% right? correct on that i think that you know when it comes down to it those individuals who don't understand how to sell a house or don't understand negotiations or, you know, are afraid to, you know, there's a lot of fear out there and fear limits uh, everybody. We all have different levels of fear all the way down to Jeff Bezos, uh, uh, down to, you know, someone who's just working a nine to five job in a cubicle, we all have different levels of fear. And I think that fear will always be there uh, that people are scared to negotiate or people are scared to sell their house. They don't know the next steps or what to do or, how to talk to people in a negotiation. Um, you know, I, my fiance will come to me sometimes and she's like, I'm having these problems with these girlfriends. How do I tell them this? Yeah. <laughs> so I to say, help, yeah. help communicate. Correct. And a good book I love called Crucial Conversations and that helps everyone communicate. And I listen to that and read that book over and over on a uh, yearly basis because it, it Tells you how to communicate in tough situations, and uh, you know some people just they're not good at it. So that's where that position of a real estate agent will always be there.
0: Do you think these uh, these eye buyers, you know, are going to succeed? I, I did test open door locally. I went and looked at one, used the app, you know, got right in. I was like, this is really nice. You know, no one to bother me. You can roll in, do it. No one trying it. to sell
1: you too on it
0: they had a couple of cameras set up not sure if they were fake but <laughs> yeah, no you know it was good it was interesting they have a check in check out time right so they know if something happens um, but in reviewing a lot more of their properties online or on zillow looking at the sales prices and the differences it just looks like they're losing money on their transactions i mean do you, do you, do, you, do you, i mean are they just in a silicon valley race to beat out the rest of the world again so and they're what, willing to take a loss for a while, or what do you think is gonna what happen? Did, with them?
1: What did Amazon do when they first started? Yeah. <laughs> Amazon, and I watched the documentary, it was a new documentary out on Jeff Bezos. Amazon for the first four to five years did not record a profit. Yeah. They wanted to cut all their competition uh and the only way to do so is cut all the prices slash all the prices online and then from there create that buy now button which they they patent where you can just click one boom it's already yeah. coming here um so that's what they did so i think uh the i buy is still in in the beginning stages what it's only been five years since it's yeah. been rolled out maybe less and now it's going to cut back Correct. So oh, it's going to be, yeah, <laughs> I know. Well, yeah. Right now, a lot of them is going to be cut back and then it's going to be up to those, uh, those seasoned investors to go make the opportunity. But when it comes to I buy, I think, uh, yeah, I, I don't see them making money. I don't understand how they make money. You know, they make money on the buy because they charge so many fees. And a lot of these sellers, you know, if, if you are, if your family or my family were put into a situation where we needed to get the house sold, we don't care what price. Okay. Yeah. We break even. We just need it sold. We would do it. You know, if it came down to our family's back against the wall where we had to move, um, or, you know, we're, we may be going into foreclosure and yeah. boom, we needed to sell at this price and they offered it, they're going to take it. So when it comes to it, I don't understand. You know, it's a numbers. Uh, obviously, it has to be a numbers game to them. Um, but yeah, I don't see how they're making money.
0: No, it'd be interesting to see how it plays out over the next 10 years. Um, but there's a lot of times when I'm maybe looking at it, if you're looking at a single family property and you're on Zillow and you, I just wish there was a button just to make a freaking offer right to the owner, you know, and not no. have to go, you know, that's what I, I envision some, some kind of cash escrow, some validation of funds that'll let you to place a bid directly to the owner and the owner can just reply with the price or not, and just be able to transact with the local, you know, closing agent.
1: Soon there will be yeah. because um because when it comes to it they're gonna the Zillow or whatever company that rolls out with it they're going to connect with the local you know inspectors local um uh, local. Uh, attorneys, you know, to make sure that right when you hit click, okay, here are four referrals of inspectors. Here are four referrals of, you know, whoever you need. Uh, Oh, here are four referrals of attorneys. So you can then pick your attorney that they all have. Uh, And it's going to be a transaction base. So uh, all these attorneys are going to expect high transaction volume through their offices, but I'm sure they will roll out something like that.
0: Yeah. And so one of the things that a lot of people choose multifamily, I'm sure is for the scalability, right? And being able to acquire many doors, many units under one purchase, right? Compared to single family. So when you got started in the multifamily game, did you go out right away and find that coach mentor or what was that path?
1: Great beginning? question. Yeah, that's a great question. So the beginning of it, um, I was still selling residential real estate And that's when I hired, uh, my coach and mentor. And, uh, through the training process, um, was a couple months. Um, I, I set goals and, uh, from the people that are closest to me, they know when I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. Uh, and you're going to watch me do it. And I told him it was in December of 2018 and I hired him at the beginning of December of 2018. Uh, so One month towards the end, right after Christmas, I had a call with him. And uh, I said, in six months, I'm done selling real estate. He says, are you serious? And I said, in six months, I will be done selling real estate. He says, okay, I'll hold you to it. January, uh, about middle to the end of January, 2019, I called him up. I said, I'm done. He says, it's only been (laughs) a month. I said, well, the way I see it is my back's against the wall now, so I have to make it work. Um, I don't have any other options. And that's what I try to do all the time. No matter the level of, uh, of growth we have here is I'm always going to try to ensure that we're well positioned to always have that hunger and that determination to keep on growing. Because a lot of people will reach that certain level of success or reach that certain level of the goals or hit their goals that they want to hit. But after that, it's like, okay, I accomplished something. I don't need to do anything else. So if you can create that mindset to always be driven, always you know set huge goals, and once you accomplish that, and then now set even bigger yeah. goals, uh, you'll grow a, grow a huge, huge company. So uh, that's what I did, and um, ever since then, been full time into multifamily real estate investing, and never looked back.
0: So the last year and a half, right? That uh, s- since you moved on, what I mean, what have you been up to? Yeah, <laughs> what, what 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 have you been doing for the year and a half?
1: Yeah. So, real quick, um, within seven months of founding QC Capital, we acquired a little over forty million, three hundred sixty-four units that we have ownership of, and um, and really through that whole time is is building strong relationships. Uh, As uh, as you know, as uh, if anyone listens to my or on my social media or my podcast, we always talk about building very strong relationships. So, uh, not only that, but creating the right mindset for success. So, uh, throughout those times, building strong relationships, implementing the correct systems. Uh since then we have uh two underwriters that are on our team. We have one acquisition person and one internship. On Monday, we are looking to hire a um a maintenance and or not ma- a contractor slash maintenance individual who has a lot of experience in the multifamily industry at a very large uh company or not necessarily competitors just yet, um, because I'm a small fish in their in their bowl, but Soon will be competitors, uh, but um, but bringing him on would be uh, very beneficial. So we'll see how that uh, that interview and uh, that conversation goes. Uh, but w- massive growth with the company um, as uh, has uh, ca- uh, came about in the last, I'd say, eight months. So how does? Uh
0: if someone's getting started, how do they justify the cost of a coach and mentor and how do they make that best decision who to pick and how much they'd be willing to spend and what kind of outcome they're looking to get out of that?
1: Um, (laughs) I'm willing to spend as much money as I have um, for my education. And um, when it comes to individuals, it comes down to, um, it comes down to themselves. It comes down to, um, them understanding, uh, where they want to be one before you even pick a coach. You need to find out, well, uh, what's, what's my goals. Where do I want to be? Do I want to make 10,000 a month or do I want to make a million a month? Um, those are, those are two bit, two different goals and you're going to need two different types of coaches for that. Um, so I aligned my coach and when I went through that interviewing process, I I looked at a lot of coaches. My number one big thing was I wanted to be one-on-one with the coach. It was very important to me where I can be one-on-one with them. Number two is that I wanted to ensure uh, that that coach had the same goals in mind that I did, meaning that I had huge goals, and I want to make sure that my coach had huge goals as well because now we're on the same journey together. Now we're going to grow together as a team, um, and we'll reach it together quicker than uh, having separate goals. So I find that being very important. Uh, justifying the price: one, it's a business expense, so you can write it off on your taxes. Number two, uh, it's it's educational. What you are going to learn is is what you're going to take in your mind. And I'm a big believe about mindset, positivity, yeah. what you, what you take in from the knowledge is going to last you a lifetime. Even if you use the coach for a year and not, not, uh, decide not to renew. It's going to last you a lifetime where you can then take on for generations uh, and grow a large company. Um, So I see it extremely valuable. Uh, Those are the key points on why I hired my coach and what I would look for um, while bringing on another coach as well. I think you can have multiple coaches depending on where you want to take the company um, or take your goals. Uh, I think it's very important to have multiple eyes uh, and um, take a look at the situation. So, uh, so that, that's, that's my key point when it comes to coaching.
0: Now, uh, when you chose your coach, Mm -hmm. did you look at his whole background and his experience and then match that up based on what his experience is, is where you want to go and what asset he was
1: buying to make sure that it was the right fit? Oh, very much so. I don't want a coach who's a wholesaler. (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's that's irrelevant. Right. <laughs> what, what's a wholesaling coach going to yeah. tell me about yeah, yeah. over hundred unit apartment complexes, you know, um, now when we're in the stage of, uh, we're in the process of creating a fund, um, you know, now I am seeking, um, a mentor slash coach who has created large successful funds before. Um, so now I'm on the, the mission to seek out that. Will I keep, Uh, The previous, oh yeah, I'll keep him for as long as I can uh, because it's always good to look back and always good to have that conversation um, and to spark up because they may bring up stuff uh, to help your business still grow. But um, I will not have a a wholesale coach. So I would say look, uh, do your due diligence on them. Um, you know, when you're talking to them on the phone, they're interviewing you, but you are also interviewing them. Uh, you know, because depending on who it is, some come at a very high price um, right. and uh, some don't. Some are a small monthly. It just all depends, but do your research talk to a handful of them and then to even go above and beyond say, Hey, can you refer me six people that you know that you've coached? Um, and the, probably they're always going to send the best as everyone does in any type of uh, reference way, yep. uh, who speaks highly of them, but s- call those six people and then ask those six people, Hey, who do you know? And go down the line. Dr- I always say, go six, three, three. So six references, after you get those six references, get three people uh, that those references of reference, and then three people that they reference, if you can, uh, and then make your decision.
0: All right, so you got a coach, mentor lined up. Mm-hmm. Now, now you know. That, that may be a little bit easy, right? You just stroke a check if you got the cash. Now yeah. finding the deals and getting started is the harder part. So Very. We'll, we'll, where do we go after we have the coach? What do we do?
1: Yeah, I would say you know what we did is I leveraged my background and experience. Um, and as an entrepreneur, as a business owner growing up, um, you're doing everything yourself. I mean, you're doing the marketing to writing the newsletters to talking to everybody. I, I messaged someone um, on Facebook uh, last week, and she said, "Is this is this your VA?" And I said, "No, I don't have a <laughs> VA." I said, "This is actually me." And they're like, "Well, how are you on? Uh, you are always on point, you know, with everything, and you're watching it very quickly." Um, so when it comes to it, that's 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 what happens. And when you start to grow, you then start to leverage. So I leveraged at the very beginning my ex- expertise of the real estate industry on the brokerage side. So I was able to build strong relationships with the brokers by, you know, letting them know, look, I used to be a broker. I understand the broker's side of things and that really opened it up big time. So I built strong relationships with them. I didn't go direct to the sellers. Um, I think when you're dealing with over hundred plus units, you should just build strong relationships with, um, with the brokers. It's going to be very hard to do it uh, direct with the sellers. Uh, so we went that route and I was actually our first deal We I was touring a 91 unit that was on market. And my main focus was thinking big at the time, and it always is. So I was thinking, okay, well, I only focus 100 plus units. Yep. So 91 units, I look adjacent to the property, I see an additional 44 so I said, would that seller want to sell? And We can combine it, make it 135. Um, I lost out in best and final on the 91. Uh, a week later, I called the broker back, said, hey, is that 44 still available? They said, yes. I said, let's try to get it. Um, and We got it, and then the ball started rolling from there. Uh, after that, we were able to acquire two more assets, uh, totaling uh, 364 units, um, and very excited about our growth this year.
0: So how does uh, someone wine and dine and meet all the brokers though? I mean, where they, where they find the list?
1: Uh, yeah, you can find a list on LoopNet if you Got want. Um, you know, LoopNet has a list of all your brokers. Uh, you can go to my biggest thing is is look who's doing business in the area. Um, and here in the Carolinas, you have really three to four large major companies. You have Capstone Partners or Capstone. You have Cushman. You have Newmark Knight Frank. You have CBRE, JLL. Uh, they're decent. Marcus and Miller Chap. They're okay for the smaller units uh, but if you really want good quality units those are the four people uh, and it took time for me to find it but I was doing research on loop net and a lot of them don't post good deals on loop net so <laughs> they don't uh, post them online at all right no so it's going to these networking events and listening oh who are you talking to oh I've never heard of that broker who's he with Cushman okay go to Cushman's website go to who covers the Charlotte area start friending them building relationships with them uh, l- take them out to lunch look you you know we are new, but this is what we have. You know this is our goals, and we know we'll achieve them. And you know we're in this for the long term. And I think that uh, that's very beneficial, and it speaks volume with just building relationships. When I go out to lunch with the brokers, I don't talk real estate much. I let them bring it up, and that's the same way with potential investors. Is I just I build strong relationships with them.
0: And how did uh, you know once you build those broker relationships, and you have to go you start getting deal flow in your inbox. Oh, yeah. Now you have the underwriting aspect, right? And that yeah. uh, that's the make or break. I mean, if you don't buy right, you- you don't make any money, right?
1: That is right. And um, when it came to that, like I said uh, at the beginning of any entrepreneur uh, or a small business owner or business owner in general, uh, you're doing it all yourself. So no. I trained myself how to underwrite, I trained myself what to look for. I called other underwriters, I uh, spoke to uh, lenders, and, you know, trained myself from the best people I could that surrounded me, and I was able to get them to surround me to understand underwriting. And then um, I I had an individual who reached out to me and found me, who we connected, uh, I mean, very, very well. And uh, he is an expert in underwriting. Uh, he currently... Used to or is leaving another company, but a large billion-dollar company that they have assets under management, um, which uh, is uh, definitely brings a ton of value to us. And he knows it all when it comes to it. So that left, I mean, that weight lifted off my shoulder, and I was like, "Okay, now let's just focus on finding deals and building relationships uh, with investors." And then once once I did that, I found an acquisition specialist uh, who used to work for Marcus Millichap, and I said, "Great." You, you know multifamily. You specialized it. Now I can slowly let this go to you. Now my one goal is is to market, to add value to everybody and build relationships.
0: So now you've uh, learned up front how to do the initial underwriting yourself and now have that outsourced? To- Correct. To uh, yeah. not uh, yeah, Out, well, not outsourced, but you delegated. <laughs> I leveraged it. Yeah,
1: I leveraged it, and I realized that um, I was thinking this uh, a couple months ago. Is that throughout school and college, that's what I did. Um, I wasn't good at writing essays. I wasn't good at taking tests, so I paid people to do it. Now, they tell you that's cheating uh, during school, but uh, <laughs> now I see it that I was leveraging. Uh, and that's yeah. what you do in the real life. Whatever you're not good at, you leverage to someone who's good at. Um, so I leverage underwriting to one great person who's phenomenal, and then he referred me to another underwriter who wanted to come on board. And after multiple c- phone calls and Zoom calls with him, I brought him on board. So now we have two underwriters. Riders, one acquisition and one intern.
0: What was uh? You know, we did have a question that we kind of missed over, but what was one of the big aha moments that you gained from work with Joe Fairless?
1: Ooh, um, what is an aha moment? I mean, he's, uh, he's definitely a, I mean, he's a phenomenal coach. Uh, if, if I'm sure a lot of people listen to his podcast, YouTube videos, he's phenomenal. Uh, he brings a wealth of knowledge. Um, and it was, you know, it's, it's everything, you know, I'll run by him a situation that's going on or, you know, just what I'm doing in the business. And when I do that, um, you know, he will come back and it's this mind blowing on, you know, the way and the different angles he sees sees situations. Um, and uh, and also, you know, the biggest thing too is when you hire a coach, you can also leverage their experience. Not only that, you can also leverage their connections. Uh, so when you tell people, yes, I'm in his private program or I work very closely with him, he's a direct advisor to the company, um, they like that. You know, someone who's reputable in the multi- Family space, Uh, and if you can get a good coach that way and use his name, um, it's definitely beneficial and will help you grow. Uh, But when it comes to it, it, he's always, uh, you know, making me think bigger and making me think outside the box, which is extremely beneficial not only uh, for the company but for me in in my personal life.
0: So the coach can also be put on like the LOI or the deck as maybe advisory and, and give and help you in trying to acquire that deal,
1: correct? Yes. If, yeah, if they're a direct advisor, uh, to the company, which Joe's a direct advisor to our company, uh, which we are able to, uh, to leverage that and put him on those.
0: Yeah. So some people might not understand all the benefit that they might get. I mean, I'm sure the coaches all range, but let's just say in the 20 to $50,000 a year range, uh, I think viewers or those getting started need to have a full understanding of, you know, just the complete value they get from that and that they're, leverage or the multiple they're going to make on that investment should be at least 10, you know, whatever, 20 times over the year or two, you know what I mean?
1: Oh, uh, I 100% agree. Less than that, um, you know, because they're gonna limit your mistakes. The one thing is, is that when you hire a coach or a mentor, don't think they're gonna do it all for you. You got to put in the work. You got to get out there, do it yourself. They're just gonna limit it, and they're gonna they're gonna help you through the process, but they're not gonna do it for you. And uh, you know, I didn't even uh, i I didn't even ask the price at the time, and I know he, he's went up substantially. <laughs> I didn't even ask the price. I said, oh, how much is it? Okay, boom. Boom, signed it and then sent it over. So, oh. you know, uh, when it comes to it, it's it's it just you have it's a benefit to you and your knowledge. You have to do it um, if if that's what you want to do to take your business to the next level.
0: Now, going into the LOI stage and making an actual offer on a deal, what are some things that you look to put on your LOI that are very important?
1: Yeah, um, you know, during this time, it's very important to you know have some clauses in there for COVID nineteen. It's extremely important to do that. Um, But when it comes to it, you know, just main price, how our due diligence is going to be operated, time frame of everything, uh, what we're going to do do, during due diligence, uh, how we want to access the property. uh, Those are some those key points that we have on there. And do you think the hard money
0: deposits are going to fade for a while based on the COVID and everything and due diligence periods or do you think? Oh, for sure. (laughs) Yeah, no,
1: for sure. I think, uh, hard money in the next, I mean, five to six months, or, uh, it's definitely going, I mean, if you put it down, it's, it's shocking. Um, but, um, but yeah, I think, uh, from everyone I've heard, even the large and large operators that, uh, no one's putting hard money down.
0: Cool. And now that, uh, So when you're trying to find a property management company, you know, what are those screening questions that you used to find the right one for your deal?
1: yeah that's very important um, I always like referrals so i I will call the brokers because the brokers are in the industry of you know what's your top five property management companies um, and they give it to you and then when you talk to those property management companies uh, there's a series of questions that we ask them uh, you know what type of assets do you manage uh, where are your assets located do you own any assets uh, do you JV do you invest back into the assets those are some key points uh, that we like uh, like to ask uh, when it comes to property managers Um, and also once we wrap up the call is, okay, do you have any references you can send us of other owners where we can see how their experience was Um, and really get a good grasp on, you know, from an owner point of view, uh, how well they like uh, the property management company.
0: And are you looking for a property manager that owns units or doesn't own units or? It
1: it depends. Um, You know, it's, uh, we would really, we don't want any competition, Um, so if, if it's, for example, Charlotte property manager and they own assets right down the street, um, we really don't want competition, uh, because you know, they're going to try to make their assets rent out. Um, so we, we definitely don't like that. Um, but it just all depends on the situation, the scenario of the asset, um, and, uh, what our business plan is. So that's one reason why I love uh, real estate in general is that it's always different. You never know. So what are some of the biggest lessons you learned
0: from property management? Yeah. Since over the last year, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no one's gonna,
1: man, no one's gonna manage your property better than you. Um, I yeah. uh, de- I definitely know that, and you know, uh, you, you, when it comes to property managers, you gotta stay on top of them. You gotta ensure the work is being done. Uh, you gotta know that if the property manager has an in-house maintenance team, or if they third-party it, or if they own their other, uh, if they own another uh, company, which that's who they refer all the maintenance to. Uh, you, uh, you definitely. I definitely have to review. I'm, I'm a big stickler about expenses. I do not like to waste money or spend money unnecessarily. Um, I like to know where the money's going and, uh, that it, you know, it actually improved the property or did something good. So, uh, you know, really cracking down to ensure that, you know, you're not having, uh, you're not being price gouged, you know, they're not coming in and saying, well, market turns going to be seven grand you're, you know, um, to ensure that you're getting the best deal possible on your market turns or on renovations when it comes to it. Have you had to fire anybody yet? Uh, Yes. (laughs)
0: <laughs> and how is that, uh, process or transition?
1: It's a long transition. I think, yeah. uh, depending on the communication and relationship that you have with, um, with the property manager, it's very important, um, when it comes to it, because a, a lot of some property managers, once you give that notice, they'll just ghost you, you know? Um, some will really care about their reputation and, uh, you know, understand it and then make a smooth transition over. So it just all depends.
0: So now when it comes to capital and the equity for the deals that you're acquiring, how are you going about raising that? Are you raising that from the public? Do you guys have partners you work with or how are you guys set up?
1: Yeah, great question. So I won't touch on it uh, as, as much uh, and go into depth. Unfortunately, yeah. I can't. Um, but we raise it uh, from very, very close friends um, that we have built very uh, strong relationships with uh, and uh, very extensive relationships with throughout the past years of um, me being in the industry and uh, the reputation and uh, the thought leadership program that we're growing. Uh, so that's, uh, that's how we are able to um, raise capital uh, to acquire assets. Cool. Um, As we're getting close to wrapping up here,
0: what, uh, you know, what other information can you give to the viewers here on just how they could, you know, get started in the multifamily, how they could work with you?
1: I would say go ahead and hit the subscribe and notification bu- uh, button to your videos. That's that's a huge way to start gaining the knowledge. You need to gain knowledge on what's going on in the multifamily industry. If that's the the real estate sector you want to go down, uh, if you want to do wholesaling, fix and flip, you name it, you need to find out who's an expert who's pouring out great content and and focus on and focus on that. Listen to it on a daily basis. I listen to around two to three books a week. I listen to, uh, and then I read about, uh, now I'm reading about a book o- a week and a half. On top of all that, I have YouTube playing about, um, real estate sectors that we're focused on fund managers. Uh, and then I'm also doing a ton of research on funds and fund managers. So it's extremely important to soak up as much knowledge as possible as you can, um, uh, to grow a huge business, to, you know, reach the goals you want to, uh, attain.
0: All right. And if people want to reach you, what is the best way? I mean, we have a couple down below. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's the best way. My Instagram's Chris underscore Salerno. You can email me directly if you'd like, Chris uh, at uh, qc capital group. or we do have a private Facebook group, which is called the Mindful Multifamily Network, uh, where you can network alongside myself, Joe, and other real estate investors.
0: That sounds great. I appreciate uh, coming on today, and we look forward to talking to you at a future date.
1: Joe, thank you so much for having me. Thank you. All right, bye. Thanks for listening to The Joe Roberts Show. Take these tips and insights that you can use to help grow your own personal wealth and share them with a friend that could also benefit. Don't miss a single episode or updates. Subscribe to our email list at joerobert.com. And as always, keep pushing yourself towards a more impactful life. The Joe Robert
0: Show. The Joe Robert Show. Show, robber, show.